0: The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, Episode 59.
1: Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float.
0: Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan
1: Kenobi. You're my only hope this station is now the ultimate
2: power in the universe i find your lack of faith disturbing it's against my programming to impersonate a dad
1: that's not how the force works
2: force is with me and i am with the force and i fear nothing remember the force will be with you always hey
0: everyone i'm father andrew kinstetter aka father fett and you're listening to the secrets of star wars where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including all the deeper themes and meanings. Today, we're discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, The Heiress. So, should be a really good discussion tonight. Joining me today on the panel are Mike Creevy. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, Father. How's it going? Going pretty well. Uh, Second up this evening, we have Thomas Sanherho. Hey, Father. How's it going? Pretty well, and third and final this evening is Angela Ciolana.
1: Yo ho ho! It's a corn's <laughs> life for me.
0: <laughs> I I almost started off the whole podcast by by saying "Ahoy, mateys." Uh, yeah, I I love the fact that uh this particular episode, like we went from a Western theme to like a Pirates of the Caribbean theme, which was super yes. fun. Davy Jones all the way <laughs> so. the Corrins as as lobster uh, as lobster runners that was just the best part, <laughs> <laughs> so so much to talk about in this episode uh there were some awesome reveals, and of course, I would like to throw it out to you guys first, so I'm sure you know you don't have much to say about this one at all, but what uh <laughs> you know what you know <laughs> what 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 did you think of this episode if if i if it's okay if I just
3: mention, because I, I I missed last week, I listened to the show, I loved it, and I'm there like talking. Like, I'm, I'm having a conversation with you guys as I'm listening to it mm-hmm. because I just wanted to clarify one thing about the spiders. Um, <laughs> very, very, very briefly, very briefly. I think, like, like, remembering back to like repressed childhood terrors, I think the thing that did it that really sent me over the edge with spiders was that scene. If you ever saw the movie version of Something Wicked This Way Comes, when the tarantulas mm-hmm. come to like into the bedroom. I think that did it. And I think that was the end. And I, I haven't seen it in years. And I'm sure it was like cheesy 80s kind of effect or something like that. But that that pretty much wrecked me forever. So uh, so I, I handled that. I handled this episode, this last episode fairly well, all things considered. But at any rate. So. But um, no, I, with this one, I loved it. Uh, I, I did suspect as soon as I saw the title, which I I don't know about you guys, I'm really glad that they're not putting the titles on it where you see it mm-hmm. on Disney plus, mm-hmm. you know, so it keeps a little mystery. I, I really think like, it, yeah, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is Bocatan, Like this is finally, <laughs> you know, we've heard these rumors and, um, but you know, I didn't know obviously exactly how that was going to go about. So it was just a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, although I did agree with some of the people that were a little critical, I think from the trailer, when you had seen some of these scenes of, of possibly it being a little too earthy, now I didn't mind it because I loved it, but I mean, like the sweater that the guy at the dock is wearing, like uh-huh. it's just a flat, like flat out, like wool, like Nantucket, like, I, like there's like nothing Star Warsy about it at all. <laughs> but for some reason, I really enjoyed that, you know. And like, why are squid people in in waiters? You know? <laughs> like so, anyway. But it was just I, I like the the setting was just a little different though, and I I did enjoy that. So I love this one.
1: Uh, yeah, as Amy said, um, in our facebook discussion group uh she pointed out the the sweaters were like her favorite part and i was like (laughs) there's so many sweaters on these like cold-blooded like (laughs) animals or (laughs) aliens or whatever anyways um i i got spoiled um i won't beat a dead horse but um dom thanks a lot uh, <laughs> it's fault. It's fault. <laughs> uh no it's really my trigger finger um i need to just bang it into my brain on friday mornings like do yeah. not get on social yep. media yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah not even um, on the slack
2: channel i, I was like I, I saw one thing on the slack channel I'm like nope i'm not even touching that for the rest of the day nope
1: <laughs> yeah so like um when I, you know, when I was watching this episode, I knew what the two big like names that w- were going to be revealed. And, you know, we had already kind of we we, we were ex- expecting it in a way, you know, like we were hearing all the rumors. And um, but, you know, this episode, I was just like I was watching YouTube reactions to like see what other people were were feeling so that I could sort of feel through them like the excitement of seeing Bocatan. But um but it was still it was still a very fun episode for sure. Um so big big kudos um to Bryce Dallas Howard.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought the turn that everything took was really great. And I think it's summed up in that one scene where Bo Katan turns around to the Mandalorian and says this is the way. <laughs> and this, the, the <laughs> level of snark in there is just <laughs> supreme. And, and, it, and it feels like kind of, kind of the showrunners knew that this was going to be the moment where everybody was going to be like, wait a minute, we've been cheering for the wrong... <laughs>
1: Guy? <laughs> kind of
2: like so yeah but which we'll get to but that that was definitely my feeling for this episode was that they did it they did it really well they pulled it off really well by bringing back a character that we all know know mm. and care about and and softening the blow of finding out kind of where we as the audience cheering for the mandalorian now sit in the grander scheme of
0: the mandalorian story what's what's awesome about it those i'm rooting for for both of course, yeah, you know, right, right, like, and 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 actually, there, there's a cool analogy that I was thinking of as we as I'll share as we kind of go through it, but um, definitely, I for some reason was not expecting Mocatan until like it happened. Um, I mm-hmm. was for some reason in my mind the things that stuck out for the rumors was Ahsoka, like you know the big one, and so I was I forgot that Katie Sackhoff was rumored to to make an appearance, and so uh, in fact I was spoiled about. 5 seconds before her helmet came off because her name popped up in the closed caption. Yeah. And ah. I can recognize her voice. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And uh so so I was yeah, very excited to see that in fact. Um I got to meet Katie Sackhoff uh, about a year and a half ago. So oh, like no, she no, is just a delight, cool. delightful person. So it was and a fan of this show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. She was on our May, May 4th episode. So go back and listen to that if you want to. So yeah, I I love this. This was uh, it's it's starting to pick up some of the the rebels sequel mm-hmm. story threads that 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 we've been all kind of anxiously awaiting to know what happens to Sabine and Ahsoka and Ezra and Thrawn perhaps mm-hmm. oh boy so so either way that's all for for future speculation but but I I really did enjoy this episode as well and I loved I loved the pirates theme like I kind of mentioned at the at the top. Um, with that, we'll kind of get into the recap and, and kind of get more into to detail on some of these, uh, various aspects of this episode. So we, we start off the episode with the Razorcrest barely arriving at Trask and it's this aquatic world. It is not the home world of the Mon Calamari and the Quarren species. Um, but it's just an aquatic world that kind of allows them to, to thrive there and, uh, the the landing with the the razor crest into the into the into the planet the crashing into the planet if you will
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it was pointed out and Bryce Dallas Howard confirmed this that it was a homage to her father in Apollo thirteen
3: I thought so nice yeah.
2: <laughs> so,
3: it was yeah, like shot for yeah. shot it, yeah yeah,
0: yeah. There, there's a there's a YouTube video out there that kind of does a, a shot for shot so which was which was really cool to see um, but. Needless to say, the Razorcrest did not land very eloquently at all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just reinforcing what you guys were saying last week. I mean, like, Mando is no Han Solo.
2: He's no Poe Dameron. Mm. It's like, this is his car. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him gets, him, gets him from one place to the other. <laughs> <And just>, <laughs> it just just happened to make it all the way this time. <laughs> you know,
1: whoops. And I, guess, yeah. I guess to kind of set up the thematic discussion as well, I think mm-hmm. him crashing his ship like this was part of... Trying to set up Mando to sort of be at the end of his rope in a way, like um, maybe not the end of his rope, but he he kind of has everything crashing down on him for a second here in this episode um, and just kind of being lost. So um, anyways, we'll get into that later. But I, I thought that this added to that whole character development situation.
0: Yeah, I would. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And, uh, we'll, I, I think that's, it's very key when Bo-Katan shows up in how that kind of shifts and, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. It was really cool to see what looked like a, um, a modified ATAT be kind of the, the, yeah. Yeah, the thing that pulled, <laughs> pulled the Razor Crest out of the water. So they have, they have more than one use than just being a, a method of destruction. Uh, I, the Mon Calamarian, uh, who, was paid to fix the Razor Crest was I. I found him really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Do Do we want to talk about the cost of things in this program? Because
2: I am, I I am I am very interested in the nuance of the economy that we're going with here, right? So, because because he pays this guy later on, we find out he pays him a thousand credits mm-hmm. to fix his starship, right? Yep. <laughs> like. To fix this thing that he flies into space, that gets shot at pretty regularly, that is the, the only thing that saves him in a lot of situations, pays him a thousand credits. Now, rewind just a little bit and you go back to uh, episode four, and New Hope. Luke sold his land speeder for 2,000 credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, inflation, and it's been about ten years almost. So. I know when the empire's fallen. Like, so there's a lot of. Yeah. I'm just really interested in the economy <laughs> that's going on around here because, like, you know, for half a half a like land speeder, he was expecting to get his ship fixed from essentially worthless. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, that's the kind of thing. Like, I, I was in a wreck once where my car was totaled, and it looked a little bit better than the Razor Crest at that point. <laughs> Well, I was—I was just reminded
3: of a, a point that uh, Angela made uh, last year on the show when she pointed out that the—the the, uh, this is a heck of a pull, but I'm sure you guys remember it too because I, I thought it was so funny that it's like when Grief Karga pays him in two different kinds of food, basically. Or it's just like I can give you money. You know, it was a calamari flan. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. what? You just came up with that on the spot, didn't you? But I—I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, that looked like the same. Like he still had that in his pocket. Yeah,
0: I, it was the like same. The, I suspect it's the same, or yeah. yeah, it's it's from one of his bounties, Thomas. I wanted to point out too, though, that like, I mean, even even if a thousand credits was like supposedly enough to get a ship like completely fixed, there must be something about Mon Calamarians and fixing ships that is is like they must they must notoriously get bad Yelp reviews. Because at the end of the episode, like even even Din was just like oh, Mon Calamarians, and like you know he was complaining <laughs> like, about like the, the job cargo that he netting, did. like pushing the cargo netting out He's of like, his <laughs> right, unbelievable. Like, so <laughs> so maybe maybe that was enough money to actually get it fixed, and it was just the Mon Calamarians are not are not the best repairmen. <laughs> so he he does pay pay him to get it fixed, and then we have. Uh, thankfully this really touching reunion between frog lady and frog man, which is (laughs) how they're, how they're in the closed captioning. Uh, but we, we see the reunion of, of husband and wife and the, uh, the music was very fitting and it was, Mm. it was, I mean, it was very romanticized and, and very, very cute and, and kind (laughs) of, yeah. Uh, kind of moment. And so at that point, Din is able to, to connect with with the frog frog man about uh, where he has seen the other Mandalorians and is directed to a restaurant in an inn where uh, he's going to to meet up with a contact. And that's where we have that brief moment of seeing uh, Sasha Banks's character watching from the alley. That was the same scene in the trailer. So everyone was was really connecting to that. And you still don't know who she is at that point at the at the restaurant uh didn't, uh pays for some information and some sort of chowder for for the child, which was <laughs> disgusting but
1: you got some foreshadowing there too
0: yeah yeah <laughs> uh different i would i would totally assume a different different species though i i guess i maybe i I'll, I'll ask you guys i assumed like the this the well the the monster at the very end of the episode that that almost like tries to, to attack baby Yoda in the, the razor crest. I kind of assumed that was like a baby mama core. And like yeah. the thing in the chowder, I just equated it to something else entirely.
1: I don't know. I, I, I thought it was I, pretty I didn't similar. A good look.
0: Either way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved how he, how Din had to tell the, tell the, the kid not to play with his, play with his food though. So the, uh, the, there's a, there's a Mon Calamarian who comes over and, and, uh, distributes the food and, and, um, also connects Din with this Quarren who is going to take him to the other Mandalorians. But it's a trap.
1: <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> You know, they
0: they didn't they didn't at all play on that they didn't play that I know it's, they should have they totally should
2: have especially with with the way everything went down but I think it was like I thought it was really nice because like the subtle background thing like <laughs> I, I, that's all I can think when I see him on Cal is like you know it's it's, it's Akbar and the, the iconic line right yeah. and so when I, when he started like telling him that he was gonna they were he was gonna hand him off to a core and basically I was like ah uh, nope it's
0: a trap <laughs> it's it, definitely a trap this is not good the whole overtones were, were very malevolent, though. I mean, he he, he says yep. that he can take him to the other Mandalorians and it's, you know, only a yeah. few hours. But the way that he laughed at the end, it was yeah, like,
1: he's like, uh-huh. yeah, it's a few hours. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm, suspect. <laughs>
0: and you'd think Din would be sort of like intuitive about that. But yeah, he's uh, I guess he's desperate to find the other Mandalorians and is is willing to uh, go with the risk.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a whole theme of uh, family, like right from the beginning, you know, with um, Frog Lady and Frog Man, you know, reuniting. And then you've got Din looking for fellow Mandalorians. And, you know, then later on, of course, we find out more about that. But uh, there is this whole like kind of family theme during Mm. this episode.
0: In fact, I think at one point Bo-Katan calls Din brother. Brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good point there that's coming up pretty quick because the the next scene is is on the on the ship uh total uh jolly roger kind of black pearl <laughs> feel of this this fishing the ship music. yeah um and so it picks up and din and the child are kind of watching watching the sea go by and and the Quarren invites them to watch them feed this mama core and he's quite insistent that they watch this. This I can't believe Mando <laughs> fell for that. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: come on, take a look. And hey, what was that <laughs> accent, by the way? Like I couldn't quite. It, that that was I loved it, but it was that it was, was like premiere. alien Boston. It was yeah. it was alien Boston. It, like it was it was so well done because it wasn't like directly recognizable, but it was definitely like you know, wharf. Yeah, it, was, runners, yeah, it was like
1: so
3: casual Just <laughs> totally casual. Like we're out here all the time. Come on over. Like, oh man. Yeah. Everybody just wants that
0: armor. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I, but I think we were mentioning that on one of the other episodes too. Is this just just another uh uh another reason why we were pointed out that Beskar is so valuable. Mm-hmm. That I mean they're 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 willing to try to trap din to try to get this Beskar, is actually quite a risk on their part too, because not really a pushover, but they they have this plan, and so they feed the, the, the mama core and uh, throw, throw uh, the child into the into the, the pool with the mama core, and of course, thankfully, that pod is practically indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> That's because um, made still, it. It was yeah. shocking,
1: wasn't it? <laughs> I, mean, I was just like, oh my gosh! I was not expecting that to happen at all
2: yeah me either what was a great plan because it worked i mean Mm -hmm. barring the eventual you know deus ex of the other mandalorians coming in Mm -hmm. he
0: he was gone yeah that was it for for din so like i mean that's exactly what happens is is the the night owl unit shows up to save the day which is which was really cool to to see them swoop in and uh bo katan of course uh rescues rescues Din and then finally we get um her name is is Koska Reeves I'm not sure if that was ever mm-hmm. pronounced in the episode but but she's no. uh Sasha's character mm-hmm. and she jumps in and and is actually the one to rescue the child and then we have Axe Axe Woves Woves who's the other the other unit of or at least he's he's aligned with Bokatan and and uh and Koska and so We have this interaction with them, which was which is this this is this is kind of some of the the lore that was uh, exciting to get the the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. lore, which was great because we finally kind of get an explanation on why Din doesn't remove his helmet and why Bo-Katan and all the other Mandalorians seem to have no problem removing their helmets. And so essentially Bo-Katan tells Din that he is a child of the watch which was a very fitting term as he was rescued as a child from uh, during the Clone Wars, but he was um, rescued by Death Watch. And she explains them as a cult of religious zealots of Mandalorians who broke away from Mandalorian society with the goal of reestablishing the ancient way. And of course, Din doesn't really accept them as true Mandalorians because they removed their helmet and this is not the way. And I I love his first question is, where'd
2: you get that armor? Like, yep. (laughs) Right. Where'd you get it? You're you're not, you're not real. Where'd you get that armor? Yep.
3: But she shakes him up so quick because the whole like, you know, three generations, you know, I'm basically the heiress of Mandalore. I'm from Mm -hmm. Mandalore. Like he's not, you know, and like I wrote in my notes, it was interesting because I immediately got sort of just this, we could have a whole other just show on this topic, of course, but from our perspective here too, it's that ongoing question of like, who's your authority? You know, Mm -hmm. like, like who who gets to sort of say, you know, like if you got a dispute about something Jesus says, how do you adjudicate that? (laughs) You know, like, are are you in line with with the church he founded or are you not so much or are you, you know, you made up your own thing? Like, it's a it's a big thing, you know, like in our own world. So I thought that's really interesting to introduce
2: that here. Well, and then we don't get we don't get the time to see the fallout on him. Right. From this, right? Because right. the rest of the episode is kind of fast-paced, action-packed. And yeah. he's f- he's focused on two things, you know, helping them and then getting the child to safety. Those are the two things that he yeah. really has a need for here. And he doesn't have time to kind of absorb that information and to really process it.
0: So I'm intrigued to see if that's something that we get over the next couple of episodes. I, I, I want to say that it was sort of resolved i think there's gonna they're gonna have to delve more into that but there, there was a couple things that i i made note of is that um and this is a bit jumping ahead but but at the end of the episode uh when bo-katan tells din this is the way and he responds mm-hmm. with this is the way mm-hmm. i and sort of more sincere that time too right kinda, right and yeah. I, and i sort of took that as din recognizing them as as mandalorians and accepting them because earlier in the episode when she kind of snarkily says this is the way he doesn't respond Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. so i i saw in that like by the end of the episode he is he at least recognizes that okay maybe he was too quick to dismiss them as as authentic mandalorians and he's uh able to to welcome them into the larger world of, of the mandalorians Uh, The other point that I I wanted to make uh, at this point in the episode and uh, Mike, you you touched on it. But I was I was definitely thinking of, uh, for example, different monastic traditions in in the Catholic Church, you know, whereas like different different uh, communities have different charisms, but they still have one one Lord. So, like, you know, you, you have some who take a vow of silence and poverty and and live completely secluded and they act completely different than, like, you know, Benedictines or Jesuits who are more in the world and, and are able to, to interact with, with people. And yet, even though they, they have two very different rules of life, they're both still part of the, the, the Catholic Church at large and, and just help, just follow the one way, if you will, of, of Jesus Christ. So I was, I wasn't, that, that wasn't, that was how I was rationalizing this in my head like uh the the yeah. ch- child of the watch would be more of like just kind of the more uh i don't know uh traditionalists if you will and then um but not that they're excluded from or shunned from the the larger mandalorian community although bo katan seems to have some sort of reservations about the child well child uh children of the da- or children of the watch but i imagine that's because she's she broke away from Death Watch back in, right, right. in the the Clone Wars.
1: What I was going to say is, you know, I, I like your analogy, but at the same time, um, I think it's made pretty clear that Children of the Watch are really like zealots, like a cult kind of situation because of, I mean, number one, the helmet thing, you know, Bo-Katan is sort of like, oh yeah, you're doing that kind of thing. That's pretty useless stuff. But then also um, what... Uh, Din is explaining that he believes about a Mandalore, the planet Mm -hmm. um, and how everyone dies who goes there. That's the kind of thing that someone in a cult is told so that you stay away from the actual origin of (laughs) of your, you know, faith or whatever, so that you don't learn what's Mm -hmm. actually true, like what is actually the case. So, I mean, that's how I interpreted it anyway. So, um, yeah, to me that was, um, there. there's definitely some parallels, you know, with, with um, different religious groups, you know, that we see today. But I think ultimately they were trying to kind of set him up as being a, a member of a cult that um, has some unhealthy practices or beliefs um, that are sort of like, I mean... You know, if you if you look back in the series, you can see how like Din might have benefited from, for example, taking off his helmet, like mm-hmm. in certain situations um, and really forming relationships with people. I'm thinking especially about the the last Bryce Dallas Howard episode yep. that we got yep. in season one, where he seemed to have some kind of personal connection that he made with I forget the character's name, but the lady, the mother Um, and, you know, you could sort of see that tension that was going on between them. That was maybe romantic. I don't know. But, um, I think, you know, that's the whole helmet and this is the way and I'm on a quest and all of that sort of has kept him from maybe some personal development, things that are needing Mm -hmm. to go on in his life. Um, And so I think that's what we're going to be seeing next. Um, I'm sort of seeing this as like in the Joseph Campbell hero's journey situation Mm -hmm. where he's kind of rejecting, you know, um, one kind of part of who he really is. And so he's he's trying he's thinking that he's going the right way. But I think right now. We're going to see him meeting up with Ahsoka and she's going to be sort of that mentor that's going to kind of walk him through, you know, who are you really and why are you doing this? Because she understands, you know, she understands all of that sort of cult and being part of a group and following their rules and that mm. kind of thing. So yep. anyways, that's kind of where my mind is at right now with him and being a member of the, the Children of the Watch
2: you can go your own way instead of this is the way. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Or what is the way? Like, right. what does it really mean? You right. know, right. besides just the, the code that you've been taught.
0: I think that's a, a very insightful uh, way to look at this. I think I'm just a bit uh, biased towards Din and, I've drank the Kool Aid, so to speak.
2: <laughs> I so I think, I think this was it was it was a good episode to like you know ease us into this concept of well, yeah. maybe maybe Den's group is not the right group and maybe they're not so great for him. And as cool as it is, there are some problems yep. with it, right? Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and and we've at we've, least on the surface of it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. If I, I was just going to say that we've spent a whole season with him and have grown to like you know mm-hmm. yeah kind of identify with him. So to to have this thrown at us in season two. Yeah, I think is I think is really good. Uh, but but there's, <laughs> perhaps we're relating a little too much to Din and 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 don't want to kind of see him as as being wrong in this situation. Uh, but that's that's part of any growth of any character is to to recognize your own faults and and misconceptions and and acknowledge them and and find the truth and grow from it. Well, I
3: was just thinking that what's kind of funny though is by the same token, just from what just what what you see in the show doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference in behavior between between the Mandalorians <laughs> he was with and these guys, you know? Um, and in fact, it was so funny cause he, you know, for a good portion of this episode, it's like, he almost seemed completely superfluous. Like they didn't really need him, you know, for yeah. most of yep. that fight. Yep. And yeah. I was just like, what's so, what's so extreme? I was like, I know death watch and you know, but then these guys are a little different. The armor seemed cool. I don't know. So I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get more of that as we go, yeah. you know, but, uh, I remember vaguely somebody had mentioned speculation the first season that, you know, Emily Swallow's armor, char- armor character, like it's wasn't exactly as, as distinct as in the last season of Clone Wars. But um, as far as the Mandalorians that were serving Maul, but, you know, she has those little like spikes on her helmet. I know mm-hmm. there was speculation about like, is this still a little loyalty mm-hmm. to Maul as Mandalore thing or something weird like that? But I'm not sure about that. But it's there's definitely rival
0: groups you know Mm -hmm. some civil war if nothing else um i was just going to mention that i the only two major kind of conflicts that i found between bo katan and her group the night owls and and din was the helmet and uh, the night owls focus on trying to retake mandalore and din was Mm -hmm. not not interested in that all i fully expect that he will be brought into that bigger conflict yeah, and, so. and and I think that that even just speaks to the the growth of his character and and the the growth of the story and even what we were talking about last season with his encounter with the child brought him into a a story that was bigger than himself. Mm-hmm. I think the same sort of thing is going to play out where yeah he's kind of focused on his own personal mission, but I I I fully expect when he encounters Ahsoka and he will be brought into that larger story of the dark saber Moff Gideon retaking Mandalore and playing a, a pivotal role in all of that and modeling that, that whole hero's journey sort of thing as well. I think well, I mean, they're definitely setting up that, that Gideon is
3: basically kind of made himself essentially Mandalore, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the, you know, the dark saber and his, his, whatever this purge was, we we don't know about mm-hmm. exactly
2: yet, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But I think also you, you, you go back to talking about this, the concept of like a cult and, how how individualistic and on his own he's been throughout the first season. And we're pulling him into this greater story as things are progressing. But part of the thing that you see here is that there's, there is no difference between him and these three uh, Mandalorians. Except that he has this kind of obsession with holding this mask between him and the world. And that that separates him and identifies him with a group. And once he takes it off, the expectation is that he's no longer part of that group. Whereas with these three, their identity is that regardless of whether the helmet's Mm -hmm. on, they put the armor on because that's the way they go into battle. But they are Mandalorians, whether they're in their armor or not. And that's kind of you're going to see that you're going to see him need to grow into that as he as he Mm -hmm. goes through the rest of this uh, season and on into the future. Well, they seem like they had their helmets off more
3: than they were on. I think on purpose to make that point. Mm -hmm. It's like a practical thing. And there's war, you know, there's symbolism to it. But it's like it's it's for fighting, not Mm -hmm. like this is who I am. Yeah.
0: That's a great uh, analogy for for Christians in the world. Mm hmm you know, that we're called to be the the salt of the earth and the, you know, the yeast in the world. And we're not, we're not identified by anything that we, that we wear or certain clothing or, you know, we don't wear a mask that identifies us as Christians. We are Christians because that's who we are. And outwardly, we don't, there's nothing that distinguishes us from, from anybody else. So I was just going to throw that out there.
1: Yeah. And similarly, like I was thinking about St. Paul, how he's been talking about, recently in the readings about, you know, the, the law versus faith and the righteousness that's given to us through, through faith in Jesus. So, um, but the other thing that I was going to point out too is, you know, we were, we have this kind of bomb dropped on Din about his identity. And um, at the same time, you know, he, we had that scene where, do you remember at the, in the First season, we kept seeing this flashback of him getting rescued by Death Watch. And it's sort of like a Mandalorian reaching out and like, you know, getting him. And um, we had that same kind of shot uh, with this episode where he's in that sort of um, pit mm. with the Mama core And then Bo-Katan is reaching her hand out to grab him oh. and pull him out. I had so that. That's cool. I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah. Nice. I think that's... Um, uh cinematically, you know, that's yep. trying to make those poetic um callbacks to, yeah. you know, who who are you really, Dinjar? And, you know, and this was sort of like his maybe the beginning of his new identity, hopefully, that uh his rediscovery of who he is and his new family, perhaps.
0: I think that's a, a fantastic insight as well. Angela, you just always have some of the greatest <laughs> points which is which is so so cool to, to to listen to so thank you can can i just say real quick
3: as a, as a former army officer i really appreciated sasha banks's initiative there with just the child on it down in the like yeah. that's a good soldier yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you know like not how do i do it and like no kid needs safe go <laughs> like, oh all right great you know and then
0: blast 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 here he is you know like just okay as much as I want to be a Mandalorian, I don't think I'd make a good Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we get back to uh, the, the, Din just kind of runs away at that point. He, he remarks that there is only one way, the, Mandal- the way of the Mandalore, and then he just leaves. And Night Owl destroys the the corn the ship and they, they jetpack jet back to the port as well. And then Din manages to get himself into trouble again. <laughs> he <laughs> runs into Quarins who want to kill him for killing their brother. And There's
1: that family theme again.
0: Yep, yep. And, of course, before, that they, before they can fully attack, the Night Owls show up again and save the day. And Bo-Katan uh, takes credit for killing the Quarren, the <laughs> and then they just wipe out the Quarins. So so that's twice in this episode already that they've saved Din and I think that at least makes Din more uh willing to to sit and talk with them and and to to listen and and potentially help them out on their their mission because they, they go and they head back to to the restaurant, and that's where Bo Katan lays out the 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 plot that they're in that Trask is this black market port, and they are it's a staging area for weapons that have been bought and sold from Mandalore. And so the night owls, they are trying to seize the weapons and they want to retake Mandalore and put a new Mandalore on the throne, which could very likely be a reference to, and we don't know this for sure, but but Moff Gideon could could have taken that mantle like like Darth Maul tried to or Maul, I guess, at that point. But that's not really explicit other than the the nine owls want to want to retake Mandalore and put a, a new Mandalore on the throne, which, of course, is and should be Bo-Katan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We oh, and that was there was another awesome line there that they're they're talking about the Empire and, and what they're doing and uh, doing to the planet. and. Bo-Katan tells Din to not trust everything that he hears. And then she says that our enemies want to separate us. Mandalorians are stronger together. And mm-hmm. I really that appreciated that. Yeah, it, it was it was a very just uh, an awesome <laughs> truth, a profound truth to to share. It's it harkens back to the family thing that we were talking about. But I also just related it to that. That's I mean, that's Satan's tactic ultimately is to separate mm-hmm. and divide. You know, mm-hmm. say something satanic is in the etymology of the word. It's to throw apart, to separate mm-hmm. or I think right? Demonic, scattering yeah. demonic is, yeah, the, the word yeah. that to throw apart. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the empire is, is very clearly, um, again, being caricatured as evil. And Moff Gideon does a really good job of that in, in this episode. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciated that. And um, at this point, they they try to make a deal with with Din. So she says she can lead him to, to one of the Jedi because Din is, of course, trying to search for the the child's uh, species and they want Din to help them capture this Imperial freighter first. And then she will tell him how to find how to find a certain Jedi. Well, just the weapons. They just want the weapons uh, out That's yeah. the freighter. That's the way they that's, present it to him at this point, <laughs> which comes into play later and is, is yep. a significant issue. Yep. yep. Uh, and so they they are kind of sitting there on the, the razor crest, plotting how they're going to, to take back these weapons. And uh, I love there was a, another awesome quote there that they're talking about how many troopers are going to be on that ship. And uh, Bo Katan <laughs> says that there's probably going to be a squad. And then Axe uh, says, and they couldn't hit the side of a Bantha, which was mm-hmm. like, yep, yep.
3: Well, and you guys, I, I immediately thought a grief cargus thing of like, how many stormtroopers? Four, you know? And I'm like, there's a lot more than four. He's like, four with him. You know, and then they go in and there's a lot more than four. He's like, what can I tell you? There's more than four. It's like, <laughs> like this is an important question. Okay.
2: want... Although much different outcome this time than right, <laughs> than right with the yeah, grief yeah. card yeah. issue
0: <laughs> but also surgical like <laughs> what when they're trying to the, jumping ahead when they're trying to take the 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 uh, cockpit uh those stormtroopers are pretty deadly accurate in hitting mm-hmm. din, but of course with his vaskar, he's just fine, but they're not always i guess just completely inept at shooting at things. To be fair, though, when there's one guy running down a hall and there's
3: 12 of you looking out the same door, someone should be hitting something.
1: Yeah.
0: But then it just reminds me, too, of, of what was it, uh, Chapter 8, the, the finale of Season 1, and the, the two stormtroopers who are just trying to, trying to you know, shoot <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of the episode and neither of them can hit their target. From like, you know, the Rebel shrug. pilots, the, the Rebel pilots just last episode, they were crack shots yeah. shooting all the spiders off oh, of yeah. the ship
2: from so far yeah. away. Oh, <laughs> uh, those poor stormtroopers. They're kind of the brunt of every joke. <laughs> it's the armor, man. It's, it's just, it doesn't help. Like those black <laughs> lenses, you can't
0: see through them, you know. Din decides to help him out, and of course uh, the child is not able to come, and so we have the child going off to the babysitters, which was <laughs> which was very fun. <laughs> Be, to be
2: respectful.
3: You be right. respectful. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and they, well, thats like
3: what Thomas said last week, where it's like he, it's not enough. He like he has to learn. You don't just, you know, like don't do the bad thing, or like you have to be good,
0: right. be respectful. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. I was I was very happy with the direction they took with this. uh this encounter with you know Um, yes because it's it's unclear whether or not because like uh the child sees one of the one of the eggs hatch into the little tadpole and you know he has this big smile on his face but it's unclear (laughs) if that's uh, like i'm hungry smile or you know
3: oh look at the look at the cute little baby smile that was just that was pure art i love it and when i watched it with my wife she was just dying because it's like we just keep saying our, our, our six month olds named Renata and like every baby Yoda thing. Now it's like, that's just Renata. Like <laughs> everything he does is like, I was like, oh my gosh, she's, she's loving it. But like that they film it with him on the other side of the tank. So his right. face is so huge and he's just, ah. and the music, yeah. um, uh, Ludwig Gorenson with
0: this, this childlike oh, yeah. wonder theme they keep trotting through now. It's yeah. like awesome. perfect. It's so great. Speaking of the music, Angela, you had a phenomenal insight that yes. I really want you to share because we've already. <laughs> okay, I was going to wait till I, the I, end. I I uh, after you shared it with us on Slack, I, I as I rewatched the episode, I kept hearing that that night owl theme <laughs> over and over again, and it plays anytime that the night owls are like coming in and kicking butt. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I if you would please share that with with our listeners because yeah. that's really so. Cool. It's
1: like dun, dun 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 like that little theme right there, and so when. I watched it the second time I was humming that and the way that my brain works is I see things like when I'm humming them and I saw the notes and I was like wait a sec I was like the pattern kind of and so I was like let me get like a piano because I'm really not a musician like I have um, a musician for a father and I sort of like remember pieces here and there. So I went to like an online keyboard and I was like, uh, okay, I'm just spot checking myself. And then I wrote down the notes and then I put them on the staff and the little dots, like they really do resemble the, the night owl, uh, crest that's on their shoulder. Um, and, uh, not so much the one on their helmet, maybe a little bit, but it's sort of like, um, it's like a W almost. So like on their uh, shoulder patch, it looks like an M. But I think be, for the sort of reasons of, you know, impending doom and like here comes, you know, death. And because the night watches or the night owls are going to come and, um But anyways, yeah, it was so cool that I had the pattern there and I was like, wow, it looks like the symbol. And I tweeted at Ludwig Goranson. I don't think he's actually going to respond. But um, I was like, is this intentional? (laughs) Like, did you mean for this to look or did you get inspired because of the symbol? But
0: you'd be surprised he might he might tweet back at you.
1: Yeah. Um, But if you want to see it, you can just go to my Twitter inspired Angela and check it out.
0: And even if it wasn't intentional, it's a really cool correlation. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh so they decide at this point to, to to try to to land on the the imperial freighter and they have to wait until it departs because they they scan for life forms before they depart. So this freighter takes off and the the four of the the mandalorians all land on it and begin to to just take out the stormtroopers and fight their way inside. And another awesome quote here is uh <laughs> the imperial captain is kind of he's asking what's going on and how many of them are there. And over the comm, he gets, there's at least 10, maybe more. And then they scan (laughs) him. And the the pilot says, there's only four life forms, Uh, which is just, I mean, like, so the Mandalorians (laughs) are very clearly very skilled and present themselves to be much more powerful than just four. And that pilot just played the terrified,
3: like, like, he reminded me of my, like, our dog Petey is terrified of everything. And, like, there's, like, 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 our daughter has a balloon right now that's just freaking him out every time it's, like, in the room. And it's, like, that was, like, the pilot. Just, everything's just shaking, you know, like, Mandalorians. Like, well, yeah,
0: they're scary. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. They so they they continue to, to fight their way uh, inside, and the the captain orders their their freighter to start climbing into the atmosphere, even though it's against protocol, and they're trying to to get up to hyperspace so they can they can get back up. And
2: we have the which I have to say, Titus Oliver did such a good job with the the role of commander here. Like he he had that middle management just. Nailed like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to make this decision. Let's d- just do this, do it, and and then when Moff Gideon comes on, he completely changes tones to this, you know, underling very, very clearly a mm-hmm. different kind of tone than what he was setting with the the men that he was in command of.
3: <laughs> we had this six degrees of Kevin Bacon type connection, by the way, with him because, of course, he was the smoke monster guy and lost. And then JJ oh. you know, JJ Abrams in oh, yeah. episode seven yeah. and I, so, yeah. like yeah, it's all it's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> There's always some way around the around the Star Wars family in this case. Uh,
0: I have to say though, the, the the Imperials in this on this freighter were not very uh smart and competent at all.
3: Incompetent. <laughs> yeah. and, and why weren't they British? That was my question. Aren't they almost in the originals, aren't they almost well, all British actors?
1: For the most part. Yeah. I don't
3: know. A lot of them are.
0: They're Just no longer close though, know. so that's
1: <laughs> it's sort of like in between Aren't we like we're we're in between Return of the Jedi and the the following trilogy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's sort of this, like a bridge between the Empire and the First Order. Right. So we is, sort this of is have five, people.
3: This is Five, this yeah, is it's, five it's, years it's close, after Return of the Jedi. They closer said. to
0: Return of the Jedi. So this is still, of course, the remnants of the Empire okay, versus the it. beginning of the First Order. But these are probably guys that they had to had to promote into
2: positions right. of power yeah. because there was a big gap, uh, you know, right after well, the Empire Falls.
3: You really get that impression with the officer in the back of the cargo. Yeah. I right, yeah. Like, yeah. right, just immediately right. Close the doors. Here's the truck's over. <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> All of them.
1: <laughs> All like, of them. Well, and, and the, 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 the captain
0: side. is the only one to, to sort of recognize the significance of of the fact that they just trapped the Mandalorians oh, yeah. in the control room. <laughs> in the control room. Yeah. Like <laughs> right. oh the gosh. worst place to trap the Mandalorians. <laughs> so, so, but that makes it easy for for Bocatan uh, Bo Katan and, and the rest of the crew to just completely, you know, take out the take out the Imperials in the cargo bay. And they are able to, to to get to where all the weapons are located. And that's where we get the conflict of Bokatan informs the Imperial captain that they are now going to take the ship. And that's when Din is all like, this is more than I Hold bargained on. for. <laughs> like, all I want to well, do. I love is... her, I loved her yep. line,
3: too, where she said, like, like put, some yeah, on, put, right put, some, put some tea on, right put some tea on. We'll be up in a minute.
2: <laughs> Okay, I have to say, as an in joke, it it I thought it would get old, but it has not yet. How many times Din has had to say something about the deal being altered? <laughs> yes, yeah. just, just as a harking harkening back to Boba Fett, you yep. know, with the, his his encounter with uh, Vader. Yep. So it's like, and he's had to do that almost every time he gets into a deal. He's like, that wasn't the deal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but see, that's co- that's sort of like. Is that part of his personality or is that just like part of his like covert, like how they sort Mm. of raised him? Like you make a deal and that's the deal because it's almost like, well, life doesn't ever go that way. Like life Mm, doesn't go according to your plan. So like you kind of have to change the deal sometimes, you know, so yeah I just thought that was really interesting like he's like you're changing the terms of the deal and she's like this is the way
2: <laughs> Well, and that's that's what gave me the impression that that she was she knows enough about Death Watch to mm-hmm. know that she mm-hmm. can call on him to do something and he has to and, and that she that's why she's so snarky with it at that point because she knows that he can't get out of it once she kind of lays down the I know where you are this this is the way right you have to do this and and That's and I I like father that you say at the end, you know, there's almost that redemptive moment where she Mm -hmm. does it again in reference to the way that she knows things and and that the way that her concept of a Mandalorian is important. And, you, you know, as we come to that, we'll talk about a little more of that turn. But that's that's what's important here is that she knows he can't get out of this deal and. And she kind of knew that from the beginning. So that's why she laid it out the way she did, because she knew he wouldn't accept taking the whole ship. But once she had him on board, she could say, well, now we're going to do this. And he had to participate. Well, and practically,
0: he wasn't going to be able to just leave the ship anyway at that point. Right. They were like (laughs) ascending so quickly into into space. I don't It just practically he he needed to stay there and, and see it through. Uh, so, so at that point, uh, Moff Gideon finally, uh, comes onto the scene and because the captain has contacted him for, for backup and he just gives off this chilling kind of presence about him. He is, he is so good. He's so good at that. And of course the captain is wanting backup and Moff Gideon asks, you know, are these the same pirates that have taken That are attacking them because this isn't the first time that the Mandalorians have attacked these ships with uh, with the weapons from Mandalore. And the captain makes the point that they've taken everything but the bridge. And because of that, Moff Gideon says that they are unable to send backup. And he tells them that they know what they need to do and then says, long live the Empire. And you just know it's not
1: good. Yeah, the pilot and the first mate are kind of looking at each other, like, yeah. "Oh no, <laughs> this yeah. is not good for us." <laughs> yeah, you know, they're
3: like, "Sir, why are you always standing right behind?" Oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to say real quick about about Moff Gideon, and, and you know, we know we're going to talk about him a lot because there's so much we don't know more than we do know, you know. And but mm-hmm. it, I just, you know, Giancarlo Esposito to 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 come into this role, and I was thinking about it; he probably doesn't have 15 full minutes of screen time in this character, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I don't know how you, like, in, in my opinion, at least, he has firmly put himself up there, like, in Star Wars as, as one of the most chilling villains, you know. I mean, like, yeah. I, I, I put him up there with, you know, Vader's in his own category, but, I mean, he's up there with your, your Tarkins, yep. you know, and mm-hmm. maybe even your Thrawns, like, when we learn more about him. And it's just very impressive. I, I, I just think that's an incredible achievement, for him to be able to do that, and in an interview, it's like he just seems like such a fun, personable guy. And like even <laughs> his in his character on uh, on uh, Breaking Bad too. It's like it's just right. geez, like is that all make believe or <laughs> like, it maybe there's seems a little like, bit of darkness hey, yeah, in there. Like, okay, so
2: but yeah, no, he's I'm very impressed with him, and I can't yeah. wait to get more. I think he really embraces the the thing that makes the Empire great, which is the bureaucracy, right? The yeah, the just grinding everything into into cogs in the machine efficiency and, uh, exactly and and he <laughs> yeah. he just embodies that that yeah. that concept like he is up the rungs of that system but he's not at the top and so he knows that he has a place to play just as everyone else does and he expects them all to do what they're supposed to do and and there's no question about it and he knows that if there is a question about it then that person is eliminated because they are no longer an effective part of the machine and and he like just embraced that for the character and just ran with it from the beginning it's like all right, (laughs) well you don't (laughs) even need to see him on screen for that to come like even when the Uh the scout troopers call back and he's like hang on a
3: second uh, he just killed someone for interrupting him (laughs) right? you you don't even see it and you're
0: like okay did he just say he killed a guy? (laughs) Like, they're terrified of him. I wonder where they're going to take that character. Because I, I, as I just kind of think about villains in general, I've always appreciated knowing, and I'm sure we'll get to, like, his motivations, Mm -hmm. because I love to get into, like, the, the, the mind of, like, why are they doing what they're doing? But then I also like to see the redemptive arc in a villain, and I don't suspect we'll see one you I'm know like he just lawn, seems, maybe? He seems him, too no. far too far <laughs> evil uh but uh, yeah I, I but i'm we I'm sure we will get into the to the motivations behind what he's doing and you know why he has the dark saber and, and everything but at least that that kind of helps flesh out his character but but he's also imperial, and so there's not really a whole lot that we need to know other than that he's...
3: No, and right. I, I I, think that, you know, if any of you guys who read the Tarkin novel, the James Lucino novel, and I'm pretty sure that's canon. Yeah, it is. I this, I, I see a lot. He's probably the main villain that, reminds, that Gideon reminds me the most of. And, and I mean, they're in a similar mm. sort of aspect so of sure. the Empire, you know, mm-hmm. with that administrative thing. But there's a military dimension to it, and it's just, it's, you know... Like like Thomas said, it's like you know I serve the empire. If the you know the empire says that planet needs to be blown up. I'm gonna blow it up. You know, there's no like that's the morality. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. nothing beyond it. It's it's the empire is basically my god, and it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, it, it justifies everything.
0: The the sticking point for him maybe, and and I don't know if he's high enough that he feels safe from this, but ultimately with the whole philosophy of the empire, Moff Gideon's just a cog as well, mm-hmm. right? So, right. and at this point, I guess we don't really know who's like running the empire. I, you know, the, the emperor is on Exegol or wherever <laughs> he's at, like, you know, not, he's out kind of the picture, that but so, you know, but, but there's yeah. not, there's not a, an emperor who's, who's kind of in charge. So he might just be one of the kind of many moths who are sort of vying for power and control. I saw a pretty good video on
3: YouTube that I I thought made a lot of sense explaining just from a bunch of different stuff that we have right now that basically in the, you know, in the aftermath of Jedi, they've really done a good job of of kind of consolidating the core and setting up the new Republic and and all this kind of stuff. But like pushing the remnant out into the outer rim and then Mm -hmm. ultimately the um, um, I just lost the name of it what's the the unknown regions you know yep. so this mm-hmm. i mean most of our you know most of mando's trips are out here in the outer rim and the idea that that's like they're stronger there than they are at the core so it it might just be a matter of you know he's he's sort of moffing it up you know <laughs> like carrying this this war on and and even at the end like he doesn't say like long live me or i mean it's like long live the empire Yeah. You know, there's still mm-hmm. this like this commitment to this thing that's like, well, I thought, you know, the empire was Palpatine, apparently not for these right. guys, you know, right.
2: yeah. the ideology. Well, and I think, I, you know, going back to talking about Ezra Bridger and uh, Thrawn being out there still yep. there
3: yeah.
2: in legends, there was a moment where Thrawn brought the empire back mm-hmm. as he returned from the outer regions. And so, you know, we might see something similar. I would be, Completely Mm -hmm. unsurprised to see that Gideon is a protege of Thrawn himself, or something along Mm -hmm. those lines. That'd be neat.
1: That just gets the cogs in my brain going. (laughs) Oh, possibilities!
2: Yeah. So I think this is opening up a lot. That—that's the one thing I think we all agreed on was that this—this episode Mm -hmm. opens up so many different avenues, and it's not—it's not anything that we weren't expecting. It's just that now seeing it played out it
0: really broadens the horizon for the show. And I, I think it was, it was very wise of Filoni and, and John Favreau to, to not do any of this really in the first season,
1: but to mm-hmm. keep the first
0: season sort of just all about Din and the child. And it's not until even, and we're, we're three, three episodes in to season two. Granted with season, with episode one, we sort of got the Boba Fett tease, but, you know, it's not until midway right. through season two that we're even starting to finally have some of these doors open for us. So I, I think that was very wise on their part because we're we're already invested in in Din and his story. And um, I think I think they did sort of a similar thing with Rebels in that Rebels was not the Clone Wars sequel, but Rebels right. was its own show. But then it just pulled right. in characters eventually from the Clone Wars. But you already mm-hmm. had a caring for the the family unit of of Ezra and and Kanan and and Hera and the whole group. So I think they're doing I think a it feels similar organic that way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's uh, it's just so cool to like see these characters like bridge the gap from from animated into mm-hmm. into live action. So
3: well, do you guys know? I, I was going to ask about that because I, you know, Katie Sackhoff voiced this character mm-hmm. since twenty twelve, and did they? You know, I you know, there's I mean, we know that there wasn't necessarily there was not a firm plan to do live action and have her in it in 2020, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. But did did they design the character enough to look like her that it would be possible one day to do it? Because I was just as soon as she took the helmet off, I was just like practically clapping. I'm like, yes, it's it's it's, (laughs) it's her. It's so
2: perfect. It's like it's it was always her. And I just love that. Um, I, I think they they tend to do that with animation anyway, where right. they okay. they tend to model the the off of the face of the the person who's speaking just because it's easier that mm-hmm. way to watch the way that they speak and then go and model it to fit.
3: Did they did they do that for Favreau and and uh, and uh, Previsla? Because I have to go back and look more closely now because I wonder that makes a lot mm. of sense. But like I mean, he doesn't, be, doesn't it, have
2: the same body type, you know. But oh, I don't sure. need mm-hmm. to. I have to go the, back and the, look at the that. Facial the facial motions, yeah, what you line? want to watch for is the way, that, yeah. the way
0: that the face moves while they're speaking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if, if <laughs> uh, you know, if we do see a, a live action Ahsoka, I think that one will be, it's not, I don't I don't think it's going to be Ashley Eckstein, but. Oh, that would be the biggest twist ever. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, f- well, or, or they're keeping that like really close to Dawson's just, like, doing interference <laughs> the whole time for that. <laughs> <laughs> just having a blast. yeah uh, so yeah, I I, the, the, I think it, I mean, the rest of the season is going to be super super exciting. So I, mm. I I look forward to to the next the next four episodes or next five episodes. Um. So back to back to this imperial freighter though. The the captain does take out both the 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 pilots and then um he launches the the freighter into a dive to crash it into the planet surface. And so Din and the Night Owls have to do their best to to take over the the cockpit before that happens, and that's where Din finally proves his worth to the group, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, he he uh, takes out all the the stormtroopers in that in the, the 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 doorway and uses his own Beskar to to take all the hits and takes takes them all out so they can take the bridge. I have to say though, directorially,
2: directorially, this this whole uh, encounter on the ship. It feels like like Rebels or like Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Bryce Dallas mm-hmm. Howard did such a good job of oh, making yeah. this feel like Clone Wars up until that moment when it's very much back to being Din Djarin's show, right? <laughs> like, this is such a Din thing to do. Like, it's not, you know, just grab a couple of bombs and, like, run in letting everything bounce off your armor and, and, and hope for the best, you know? And it's com- completely different from the way that the, that the owls were handling everything. Yeah. <laughs>
3: my wife was so funny. Like she was relentless. It, like, like we're watching, I watched it the second time with her and he does that. And I'm like, you know, like, I'm, I'm like leaning towards her with the whole, like, wasn't that awesome thing? She's like, he couldn't have thrown those from back there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, was left, I was like, yeah, it's, I guess it's not really that far, is it? You know? no, but yeah, It was awesome. I thought it was so cool.
0: So they, they do manage to take the bridge. And finally we get uh Bo Katan who, uh, Grabs the captain and finally makes it explicit that she is looking for the dark saber and not just alluding to it. And she asks the captain, does he have it, which assuming is a reference to Moff Gideon. Mm -hmm. And he basically says, if you're asking, you already know, which of course means that, yes, Moff Gideon is the one who has (laughs) it. And the captain, then um, Bo-Katan is going to let him live. But the, the captain uh, commits suicide with his electric cyanide pill thing. <laughs> that so that much worse awesome. than a cyanide pill. Yeah. <laughs> so much worse. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, Din and I think it was, uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name, the, the uh, Sasha's character.
1: Costa. Reeves.
0: yeah they they managed to pull the the freighter out of the dive you know just in the nick of time without crashing and saves the day and uh everything everything is good except for the fact that they have to take off just asap because the freighter had sent off a imperial distress signal so they can't they can't stick around otherwise the imperials are going to show up and then we have the the uh, good moment between bo and din who uh bo it says that basically there's a standing offer for for him to join uh, the Night Owls and their and their crusade to take back Mandalore and um, she tells him to take the child to the city of of Caligan Cal- Cal- Caligan uh
1: Caladan
0: Caladan uh, on the yeah. forest planet of Corvus i looked these up and they are not referenced anywhere at all so new, this is again, new again? completely a new, new, new new territory <laughs> But then we have the awesome name drop. There you will find Ahsoka Tano. So the moment we sort of all knew was coming, uh, and yeah, <laughs> well, cheers, they cheers, from now. all the crowd from us. And he, uh, she tells her, tells him to uh, tell Ahsoka that that he was sent by Bo-Katan, and she will, she will help him. And then we have she thanks him. Your bravery will not be forgotten. And that's when she she says sincerely, "This is the way." And he responds in turn.
1: And I think he sort of said that, like, I don't know, sort of, like his voice was a little bit wave. How do you say that? Like, uh, Measured. waving or yeah, yeah. like well, almost like a little bit of emotion or mm-hmm. like, I'm not too sure about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say it you know, like to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but and before we get into that, though, there was something else that that they had said together that I thought um, told us a little bit more about where Din's head is at, where um, Din, you know, Bo's like, are you are you going to help us on our call? Are you sure you don't want to come with us? And he says, there's something I need to do. So he doesn't say no. He doesn't mm-hmm. say like, oh, no way. He says, that there's something right. I need to do. And then she's like, well, the offer still stands if you change your mind. So I was like, oh, so you're saying there's a chance, <laughs> you know? Like-
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of the things that you'll hear often, and, and I think the thing that The Mandalorian got a lot of praise for in the first season was that it was separate from the mainline story, right? It didn't tie into the mainline story. And I think the flaw with that is in thinking about... The mainline story as not all encompassing, right? Mm-hmm. That the 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 story of the empire taking over the galaxy is the story of Star Wars. It it is all encompassing, and while it's really cool to see kind of these sidetracks of how things work, uh, you can still throw in the main storyline and any character who becomes significant enough that the force is going to move them toward heroism they're going to move into that storyline it's just it's going to happen and and that's kind of a, a you know i've i've been looking at a lot of uh, like the stoic literature talks about courage is not just the the concept of being brave but of realizing you are wherever you are positioned in a key uh place wherever you are that is the place that you're meant to be and to embrace that, to move forward with it, and that you will be part of big things just by the nature of being comfortable that you are where you're supposed to be. Even if it's, you know, washing dishes, that's mm-hmm. still the important place that you are meant to be.
1: Yeah. And he's he's constantly like, no, I'm on this quest, I'm on this quest. And it's like, okay, but where do you want to be, Dinjar? And mm-hmm. Like, that's sort of the question that I think ahsoka is going to be i hope that she's going to be exploring with him like but no who are you like mm-hmm. let's say you didn't you weren't found by these people uh you know like who 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 really are you what do you want out of life you know what are your goals um because he's you know he's been a bounty hunter for so long and so he's going from one bounty to the next and now he's got this quest where he's got a you know, return the child and then it's like, but then are you just gonna hand over the kid and then it's like, that's it? You know, like you, I mean, he's been really attached to this child now, you know, and uh, even the armor, you know, she was like, "Um, you're a clan of two, right? She said something like that. Yep. I mean, what, what is, what does he really want?
0: I don't, Mm. That's a good question. I but I mean I I I think ultimately I don't know if if the child is ever going to leave his side even once he finds mm. the 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 species of of the child because of that like now he's he's dad I mean, and he's 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 embraced that in in how he acts and who he is. Uh, but he... You know, what's really crazy is is based on the
3: the life the expected lifespan thing right. here.
1: You know, like if if you know, he, if, yeah.
3: you know Mando lives to be a hundred, you know, Baby Yoda will be like almost ready for kindergarten. So like I don't. That's a weird. Because yeah. I was thinking about that too. Even in like the sequel trilogy, if he's still around, he's still a little kid. It, it's just mm-hmm. really interesting, like the, the expanse of like this this character that we all love so much and. His his relationship with this guy, you know, it's just
0: yeah, it's so cool. He may not actually even say any words before Din ultimately passes away. So I don't know. We'll 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 see where things go. Um, but speaking of of the child, uh, the end of the episode uh, shows Din going to pick him up from the babysitters and (laughs) oh my gosh after a night out yeah yeah uh and and which i i found this scene very helpful to my own uh needing to to redeem uh the child a little bit from the last episode but they're playing with the little tadpole and and it was all very cute and, and there was still that tense moment where he was reaching for it though and you're like oh <laughs>
2: is he petting it or is he going to grab it what's going on <laughs> this is one of those you
3: know like that's our daughter moments because when he's like okay let's go and you're like eh, 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 like reaching yep, like, no yeah. don't take me away
0: but then another great one liner as they're leaving like the child's you know is, is complaining and Din is like no I have enough pets don't don't need another <laughs> one <laughs> Uh, so they 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 get back to the Razor Crest, and that's where we find out that he paid a thousand credits for this Mon Calamarian to barely get the ship operational and leave it sort of <laughs> in a, a flyable state, but not a good state. And uh, and they they take off and leave trash. Well, and I, but before they take off,
3: Father, I love how he just he just doesn't even say anything; he just holds the data pad out for the signature. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm Sign just a,
0: a repair man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so they take off and then there's that little baby mamacore squid thing that that is going to attack the child and Din catches it and kills it and I loved how the child just sits there and giggles through the whole thing (laughs) and then of course the child eats it so he's going to eat just about (laughs) everything
1: and there's like parts like dropping off the ship as they fly away
0: (laughs) Uh, I have to say that would just I mean that that would bug me. I and I totally it fits it fits Mando. It fits him and, and his personality. But like my car I keep pretty clean and like <laughs> you know, and maintenance and, and everything. And like ugh, it would just drive me nuts. Like yeah, he goes into hyperspace and it's like his bumper kind of goes flying off into space, right? Like <laughs> he's he's that bounty hunter that has the the gun is
2: pristine and every single part of that gun is perfect,
0: but the car that he gets into you're like oh, what happened yeah so that that episode was like thirty five minutes, which was just yeah. absolutely nuts how much how much stuff was packed into that, so there's uh like we like we mentioned there's so many opportunities for them where they're going to go uh from here but perhaps ahsoka next week is it a, is it a a, a a operable time here for me to optimal i meant
3: to say time for her to just share quick some of my math
0: yes yep just go for because, it because
3: i was so i because i was looking it up earlier because we were wondering about ages and stuff here and so we don't know exactly how old bo katana is but um her first appearance was in 2012 in uh, the Clone Wars episode uh, "Friend in Need," and that's uh, twenty BBY before in and the then of shattered, God. where we saw her. Yeah, right. And then in this last season of Clone Wars, they did in February twenty twenty, uh, where we see her with Ahsoka as they they mop up the whole mall thing. You know, um, that's like nineteen, you know, BBY. So there's like, you know, and again because that's a tight timeline with Clone Wars and like the the Revenge of the Sith timeline, and then we have. Her appearance in um, Heroes of Mandalore and Rebels when she gets the Darksaber is it uh, doesn't have an exact date, but it's said around one BBY, mm-hmm. which lines up with the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mandalorian is nine uh, ABY. Yep. Mm-hmm. So so this is we're talking about 10 years since she got the Darksaber and we don't know how long since Moff Gideon got it. So I'm guessing that somewhere you know, this, this purge of Mandalore happened somewhere in the original trilogy timeline. We just didn't have it discussed. So I, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of lay that all out. But, uh, but I don't know how old that makes. I, I think Katie Sackhoff was only like 40. Yep. Roughly. But it, you know, her character wasn't 10, you know, like, so I'm, I'm guessing her character is <laughs> probably supposed to be, you know, late forties at this point, And Ahsoka's probably like mid early to mid forties from what I was seeing. So. That lines up Mm -hmm. with the actresses, you know, at least their, you know,
2: general look and stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's what I was able to find. (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) Because I I was wondering (laughs) the same thing, you know, and that was the first thing my wife asked. "Is like, wait, she was in the, she was in Clone Wars. How is she? It's like 28 years ago. So like if she's like 18 or
3: she's around Ahsoka's age or late teens, early 20s or something, that would work.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at how much Sabine did when she was like a teenager working Mm -hmm. for the Empire. Right. So. Right. Yeah, very capable mm-hmm. these women.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and it fits with the age of uh Din too, you know, Den dens around right. that, you know, late 30s early 40s
0: right. kind of timeline. I was just super excited that they got Katie Sackhoff to do Bo-Katan in live action. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. And and she she does fit the the age, you know, more or less, so. And one of the other random completely random things that I wanted to point out is have you noticed that none of them have helmet hair?
1: <laughs> like, Sasha so, Banks' character had this cool had, braid thing yeah, going on yeah. so that was very helmet friendly
0: <laughs> when, when Din Djarin pulls his helmet off in, in the finale of season one he's totally his hair's all messed up but but those night owls man it's impressive this is the way <laughs> I think it's they take their helmets off so much <laughs> no.
1: that's what it really means this is yes. the way to do your hair <laughs> No, but one cool thing that I found out on um I guess I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Simon Cassianidas and the Axe Woves actor.
0: Oh yeah. On his
1: Instagram. And I posted this in our Slack, but um apparently his character name was actually made up by George Lucas when George visited the set of the, the Mandalorian. So how cool is that to be playing a character that and he said that he had um tried out for the character a year before shooting and then then a year ago he actually shot it and then um he, he didn't know what character he was actually playing until he got there and they were like okay you know like you might cry or whatever and then it's like here's your helmet and yeah he said he got teary-eyed. <laughs>
0: that would be really exciting <laughs>
1: I, yeah, love, I love I love awesome. the
0: the behind the the scenes stories like that or the yeah. the yeah. the X-Wing pilots you know either being uh-huh. the directors or you know, their fans, they, they've they been a cosplayer fan for years and no feloni, or, you know, just the, the cool, uh, you know, small name people that they're able to pull in and, and really make a part of this. And well, and even like the 501st to be able to pull in mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of them and to, to let them share in this. It's I think out of out of the many um, unfortunately divisive things in the Star Wars community right now, I think the Mandalorian is very much a unitive sort of thing for for most yes. fans, which is which is a really <laughs> awesome thing. Any final thoughts from any of you regarding the heiress? I love the music.
2: Yeah. I have been, um, I, I was kind of worried that the first season was going to be a fluke with the amount of just beautiful thematic relevant and, you know, clearly made music, uh, that was thrown into all of the, all of the different characters. Like each, each one had their own theme each, but then on top of that, each uh, episode had its own a series of themes going on, and this the season just has not disappointed at all in yeah. that regard. Every single one has had at, at that moment when they're you know when the when the frog people meet back up with each other, and yeah. that yeah. kind of calm, romantic theme <laughs> that just plays in the background of that yeah. was so good. It just really fit the tone of what was happening, and and gave you a, gave you a breath in the middle of all the craziness that's that's going on with Mandalorian at this point. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I love too, about what Ludwig Goranson has been doing is combining sort of the old kind of tribal feel with the electronic, like Uh new sounds, um, which is so, I mean, it's new for us, like in, in Star Wars, really, because Star Wars is typically so classical. um, And, Besides my little um, discovery with the, the notation and, and the symbol and everything, just the night owl's theme, what I love about what he did, and you go back and you listen to that, is he's using, like, a bass guitar, electric bass guitar, and then there's, like, um, these crazy, like, electronic sounds that almost kind of sound like a siren going off mm-hmm. or, like, I mean, I sort of thought of it like if, if an owl had like an electronic hoot, yeah. like it uh-huh. sort of is like that. And um, so, yeah, I just um, I love what he's been doing with this. You know, if you think about all the different kinds of cultures of the aliens that we've seen and he brings all of those sounds and feels together into one show and everything feels cohesive and everything also feels Star Wars. It is just amazing.
2: I love that moment in gallery where we get to see his wall of all of the <laughs> yes. different pedals that he's just strung together to make those like weird electronic noises. And then it, it looks like he's on the Millennium Falcon. It. it really does. <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> like how could it
0: not be Star Wars, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I only had other one, uh, one other random thought. Uh, I was very happy that we got to see the outcome of a frog lady and frog man and their family. <laughs> I was sort of expecting like we would have just dropped her off and met met Frogman because he was the one who had the information. But to be able to see them actually hatch their little tadpole was was (laughs) was a fun thing that I wasn't expecting, that I was very happy that we were able to to see that that family unit sort of survive and thrive in this hostile post-empire world
1: that's such a wholesome priestly thought oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: i can't help it it's part of part of part of my nature so when well, they got and then they got to babysit the child that's too right. on top of that you know right. <laughs> okay well i think that is it from all of us so listeners of course what did you think of the heiress Definitely let us know what you thought, and you can email us or comment on our Facebook page or Twitter page to to let us know what you thought. You can email us feedback at starwars at sqpn.com, and you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, and on Twitter at sqpn. And now, of course, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week, Anthony S., Brian S., Dean K, Benjamin D, and Cynthia T. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we produce here at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, be sure to subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast player, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast players out there. You can also find us on YouTube. Just search for the SQPN YouTube channel and be sure to click the bell to get notifications for new episodes. And you can find all previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars by visiting sqpn.com/starwars. And so we will be we will be back next week when we we will be discussing the 4th episode of season 2 of The Mandalorian. And so until then, Mike Creevy, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Wars. Thanks so much. Love it. Thomas Sanherho. thanks for joining us this evening. It was nice to be here. And Angela Cialana, thank you as well for joining us.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest.